Hello, welcome to episode two of the Pupcast. In this episode, I sit down with Avant Rock Quartet Sajtak, who are based out of the greater Detroit area. And we really talk about chamber music in an interesting way. They have some really cool ideas about how to approach uh, what they do, which is really unlike anything I've ever seen. It's super cool. They're all very nice people, and it was really wonderful to sit down with all of them and talk about it. Check them out. Their website is saajtak.com, and that's Sajtak. Check out our website, slipupproductions.com, and here's episode two. Uh, you guys are Sajtak. You want you want you want to give the gist? You're better. You're gonna be better at it than I am about what you do. All right. Um, so we're Saj Talk and we're sort of uh, we're at an intersection of sort of electronic music rock jazz and um, music inspired by a lot of different things so we have um, a repertoire of collaboratively composed music um yeah, it's all relatively... I mean, it, it leaves space for us to s- improvise within it to a degree, but then also the structures are pretty th- thoroughly composed, so we kind of have these like large, I don't know, sometimes 10 to 12-minute pieces that are like relatively complex with lots of polyrhythmic mm-hmm. changes and sort of like, you know, we all we all really like adding those ki- types of details. It to seems pretty music. flexible, at least, for what you guys want to do, which is super cool, I think. Mm-hmm. Um just because I haven't seen anything like it, which doesn't necessarily mean anything. <laughs> but uh, I think it's a cool concept, which I should definitely come to more of your stuff. <laughs> but so you guys were formed, what, a couple years ago? Two, three years we ago? Came, we came together a few years ago, um, and our first gig was actually at the Power Center in Ann Arbor nice. at, for the TEDx event. Um, and then shortly thereafter, we got the privilege of working with Ben over here. <laughs> nice. Um, so he joined us, and we just really kind of committed ourselves to the project thereafter. And here we are, almost three years later, um, about to put out our debut EP and touring and, um, working on ideas for even the album and things beyond that. So you got a lot of things in the works. Yes. Which, which <laughs> yeah, is nice. Definitely. It's Especially a lot. <laughs> <laughs> keep chugging. Yeah. Yeah. So like if I were to if or not I, if somebody any random person were to come to like one of your shows or listen to your EP or album whenever that happens, uh what should we expect anything or just go into it like totally blind and like be amazed <laughs> that's never a bad approach to take i think that's true but then you have to end up being amazed but i i <laughs> yeah i think um people who have seen us before and return to see us again uh know kind of what we're all about 
Um, we, we do try to keep it fresh, like even though we have a set repertoire that we've been developing for the last mm-hmm. couple of years, uh, part of the process and part of the fun is to like find those little avenues within the songs that we already have where we can surprise ourselves and um, maybe, maybe find some new ideas to develop. Um, and even outside of that, you know, f- frequently depending on the venue, we try to uh, take up part of the set by doing like all free improvisation or um, you know to weave our songs together in a completely improvised fashion so um, we try to amaze ourselves on stage yeah. <laughs> I don't think we always get there but no, it's, it's we, we want to keep it fresh for ourselves as you know yeah. even though we kind of um, our in a rock band format. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we don't want to do is is just like write this song to this song, and we know how exactly how it's going to go every time, and that's the set, and that's it. Yeah, I mean it's kind of a reflection of our process as well, because I think a lot of our a lot of our um, kind of pieces and and songs are um, derived from free improvisation as a group and we'll like record those with just a kind of like zoom recorder and come back and listen to it and then you know from that take pieces that we find really compelling and interesting and start to build larger compositions from it but it really is this collaborative composition process where you know John's writing his part and Ben's writing his part and you know myself I'm writing my part Alex is like it's everyone is actually contributing their own like musical ideas and musical direction to it so it, it always feels like you know if I was going to say okay who wrote this song it's like well we all wrote you know this song collectively nice. um, and I mean I think that's what what then in performance we can some take that practice which is really you know where we all started first started playing together was in the context of a free improvisation or um, improvisatory ensemble where you just go in and play and there's no set music in a group of maybe 10 to 12 people and so that type of situation really makes you think about I think music differently mm-hmm. yeah um, it seems like you guys like understands like okay this is the format that kind of works but you all bring like something individual from yourself your own inspiration your own background mm-hmm. uh, into it so that it's more unique than just like we're a rock thing mm-hmm. yeah. um, right. so yeah like I think background and where you're coming from in music is very important because then you can bring like you know what you works for you and that people have responded to in like a live show which is also important to think about um into this like new unique thing with other people not like okay we have to all write this quartet or whatever you're gonna do and then it's becomes like people fighting against each other Mm -hmm. rather than like Oh, I enjoy this. You also enjoy what you do, and we can bring it together and like find a middle ground mm-hmm. rather than we're gonna play four on the floor forever. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think there. I mean, there is sometimes, and something I really enjoy about this group is that there is sometimes conflict, and I think that, and we have different ideas of where certain things should go, and it, and and we're able to express that and kind of come to a consensus about how things work. Um, And that's something that I think is indicative of 
our trust of each other mm. in our in our composition process and I think we've grown a lot closer together as individuals and as friends through that process um, and I because I I mean I value everybody else's voice so highly that um, it just it works I mean it, it works out and that we can kind of disagree about things and that conflict always results in a better piece of music okay. I think mm. yeah definitely yeah it's that like respect for other people's points of view or whatever it is mm-hmm. when it comes to music mm-hmm. and we important. are and yeah it is it's super important and we all are we are coming from different backgrounds um, more or less I mean it's not I don't think it's the most crazy uh points of difference but um there are a lot of similarities a lot of us i mean all of us have a jazz background to a certain extent um and are versed in that that tradition um there's some there's classical music influence and training as well and the free improvisation aspect which has already been touched on um blues for myself even and you know mm-hmm. ele- a lot of electronic stuff right. on yeah, Simon's like part do some yeah. electronic um, music production. so what should I like so where are you, where are you from background My wise pers- yeah well I think well for me um I I've sung jazz um for my a lot like a very long time in my life um and I went to university to continue that study and that path all the while developing technique for um, opera to an extent. I don't, I never really studied that repertoire, but mm-hmm. I had a really phenomenal teacher at school who helped me understand the potentials of my voice and bringing to uh, be able to bring out all the different colors, the kind of brassier jazz tones to the higher soaring soprano notes. Um, Every and everything in between and beyond. Um, so that's that's I'm really interested in offering all of those things to this group. Um, I will sing really pretty and then I'll sing really <laughs> in my head. I'll make it a goal sometimes to just sing really ugly. Yeah. Um, so I'll scream or howl or make percussive sounds. Um, and yeah, I like pushing my own boundaries, and this has always been a group where I felt very comfortable doing that within. And um, I think one of the reasons this group works so well, and it was already touched on before, is the trust that we have between each other. Um, and because we all bring in those separate elements and learn from each other that way. Yeah. I th- um, you touched on something that I've thought about and considered a lot recently like with going to school for I guess music but maybe anything is that you develop kind of like a a technical acumen where you can then do all those different colors with your voice or with like whatever Um, and then you can bring that to a different ensemble and no matter what ensemble it is um, you have an approach that might work it might not work but it might lead to something more interesting Regardless, you've got like a very nice base um, 
to come from. Mm-hmm. Like a palette. Definitely. Nice palette, yeah. I think in this group that's been expressed, at least for me, I've noticed it just in, you know, we started with Simon, Alex, and I getting together and just improvising. Um, and, you, you know, there's a lot that we've kept from just those early sessions. Um, but I've noticed a lot of growth, and definitely from my own abilities as as a percussionist in how we are able to um, move together from, for instance, like a real tight groove to a more fitful, free textures and um, things that I think we all had, all were able to do and had in our background, but um, we've kind of developed a language just in these like different approaches and being able to navigate without having to um, I guess predetermine anything. Yeah. So you three met in that way. Where did Mr. Ben come from? Um, well, <laughs> Mr. Ben. Grew from a frog. Um, <laughs> you were kissed by a pretty princess. <laughs> yes. Um, we'd all known each other, and um, I mean, I had played, I think, mostly with John, but also with Alex and Simon. Um, in the in that improvised ensemble Simon was talking about, and um, but and John and I had played together in a, countless a dozen projects, different yeah. projects of um, either improvised or to play other people's material or our own original material. So I think we had just been friends for a few years, and um, luckily I was free on a day they needed a bass player for a show they were playing. <laughs> and uh so I I learned the I learned the the songs that they had established at that point and we uh started just playing together regularly which after a string of shows. Nice. That's that's nice that it kind of just evolved rather than like, you know, not evolving. Yeah. <laughs> Being more like sudden or like we don't really know this person but we need somebody for like this thing and then that doesn't really work out and so it's nice to have somebody that you know that you can just kind of bring. It's like mm-hmm. already there but yeah. not. Well mm-hmm. part of it too was that you know we were still kind of trying to find the right fit for like a fourth member or bass player or whatever instrument, but, um, uh, you know, (laughs) whatever instrument we brought in, right, but bass just kind of made sense in the context, um, and, uh, you know, Ben definitely, like, shared this affinity for sort of exploring sounds, like, you know, when I think about Ben's upright bass playing, it's like, I think of, like, this awesome extended technique kind of sounds that I don't, like, like, I'm like, I played upright bass for four years and like most of the sounds he makes I'm like I've never made that on the bass you know uh, being the person who like during orchestra class just like found every sound I could on the bass (laughs) instead of like you know yeah (laughs) Um, but yeah so like and he takes that same approach to bass too and I think same with like all of us being sort of interested in exploring sound and timbre and texture and like rhythmic like complexities or simplest like those all of those the, the way that you can create tension and release in all sorts of different um like parameters within music it's like you know i think it makes it really a rich experience sonically yeah um but then we're also really interested in it feeling good and like having groove based elements and sort of um 
kind of coming from also sort of electronic music or dance music or rock where you've got these like long drones that are gnarly and like noisy <laughs> or um yeah or something that's like clearer and sort of more like us you know i don't know a song of some kind it's, yeah yeah i think that's it seems like it would be very engaging for an audience too especially for more of like a i guess i guess chamber music type mm-hmm. setting whereas like you've got the extended techniques or, or you've got like i'm also a percussionist so like a bunch of crazy things going on at once and then it's not you know oh we're going to see a rock band it's like rock chamber things in the 21st century yeah which i think is for a lot of audience members who aren't we'll say uninitiated to that kind of thing to like not i don't want to say i hesitate to use the word out there because that has like a connotation but just like different things that you've never seen before. Like, sure, you might not like it, but like that's your opinion. But at least it's like something new that you might not have seen. Some extended technique, some like crazy setup that's just like ridiculous to look at. Like visuals mm-hmm. and sonically being, I guess, the most important part. Right. But yeah. So like, how do you feel on stage, like engaging with each other in that respect, like? with each other, with the audience? How does that come across? Um, I think we... it, it ha- Our communication on stage is really important and, like, finding a, a comfort within the space. And I think we almost always find that. And we're getting better at performing um, the more we do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- I think... I think there sometimes there was a little bit of discomfort in taking something that we had played uh, a thing that we had played so much as just the four of us and bringing it somewhere else there's Mm -hmm. there's sort of a vulnerability there Um, so we but now that we are we've sort of grown more accustomed to kind of taking command of a space and making it into our own um, and having a live audience with improvised music always adds another layer of interest and um, most of our we don't do as much free improvisation now because we have so many composed pieces but our the the level of communication that we've developed as improvisers definitely translates I think and um, I think there is that sort of to talk about chamber music, I think the communication of us within the ensemble is mm-hmm. is very much in the in the vein of of a string quartet or groups that have to be very much in sync with each other, yeah. um, and that's kind of our. I mean, I that's we have that background within us as well. So the reason I ask <laughs> is just because, like, I I come from that more, I guess, classical side of chamber music, broad stroke air quotes um and i'm just curious for my own personal knowledge like what it's like to be in a more i guess modern chamber music setting with you know electronics way more extended techniques way crazier setups Mm -hmm. i've not done a lot of stuff with vocalists which is disappointing for my own repertoire Mm. but like it's such a unique thing i'm just curious about what it's like Mm. to not only go through that in a composition process which you talked about but also like once you get to the performance 
I think the biggest challenge that I've noticed performance-wise, not so much when we're practicing together, developing repertoire, but, um, you know, and we all know at this point how to listen to each other on a very deep level. Um, the only way that that can really be disturbed is if we don't have good a good mix on stage, which has been a pretty frequent problem because the setup is so intricate and, I mean especially Ben, Simon, Alex, all have like very specific setups that uh, send out a lot of signal. And it's, it's very hard for sound guys who aren't accustomed to, to our stuff to know what to do with that. Yeah. Uh, so no, in, in that situation, no matter how sensitive we are as performers and improvisers and as musicians, you know, that extra layer is is a huge challenge you know and I, I you know usually we're able to at least infuse like energy into it just from live performance but um that's i don't know this this band even when we do have conflict or we are unsure of where to take a song or it, it's still very easy to play with each other it's still very natural to to come up with new material but uh, it's cool. it's that extra layer that I think yeah. has been been the biggest challenge. Well, also like going off what you said, we're talking about in terms of like the performance setting, and I mean, oftentimes we're playing in, um, especially around this area. You know, there's not, there may be less venues for us to take this yeah. to sort of like a um, a concert venue. So it's oftentimes kind of like rock venues, right. and um, like you know, I think that they're used to the bass player always playing the bass part. <laughs> right, and so you know when when I'm like going like every, none of our songs are texturally the same. Like there there are times within a song where I switch to the bass because mm-hmm. I'm playing you know synths and and also right. a lot of um kind of like electronic sounds and textures and things like that. And so I might be playing like a bass part, and Ben kind of has his octave doubler sort of atmospheric melodic sections. It and, can be um, above me sometimes. Right, yeah. and yeah, and so it's. I think that is a lot of the challenge too. Um, you know, if Ben's getting pumped through the sub. Suddenly, it's like, what's? <laughs> Whoa, like that's yeah. weird. Um, you know, and so it. Uh, but I mean, I think we've gotten so that we're better at sort of controlling our stage environment too, and and just being able to to roll with different sounding environments for performance. Just because when you do it a lot, you start to have to. You have to be able to still be together even if you, like, can't hear a member yeah. as well. Um. <laughs> yeah, I don't end up like Mariah. <laughs> yeah. um. But that's, yeah, that's something interesting because, like, going back to, like, the string quartet mm-hmm. analogy, like, you can essentially just, like, roll in to a concert hall, play the thing, and that's pretty much right. it. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, or anything, I guess, with electronics, but specifically this... You've got all aspects of like, you know, classical upright bass in terms of format. Um, maybe not necessarily playing wise. Uh, percussion, voice, keyboard, like whatever. But also like the, all of those have to have like electronics. All of those have to get processed somehow. Mm-hmm. Mixing for the room. That's man. That's a, that's lot. a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's interesting because you don't. You know, talked about. You mentioned how like an acoustic group, you know, comes into like a concert hall. Mm-hmm. And I mean that it kind of makes me think of um David Byrne has this great talk about how architecture shapes music. 
where you know the yeah. the, the concert hall itself yeah. mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. or a cathedral for instance it's like where like choral music works really well in very reverberant spaces mm-hmm. with long kind of trails of of sound and um sort of jazz is kind of evolved in like a smaller space so if you listen to a jazz quartet like a jazz group in a large concert hall oftentimes the detail is not there and, and it's not necessarily that uh it's just you know partly it just has to do with the space that actually shaped that music um because usually the spaces come before the music. Right. And so we, like, I wouldn't say that we would sound probably very great in, like, Orchestra Hall or some sort of, like, mm-hmm. you know, Hill Auditorium. I mean, these aren't necessarily spaces that are conducive to the no. types of the type of music we're no. playing, which is actually kind of, like, interesting, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially when you start getting into uh, amplified music, you know, you have all these festivals now that are, you know, specifically to perform various electronic music. Um you know, and not going too deep into that, but mm-hmm. it's like, uh, you know, that also has a very specific venue. So it's, um, I don't know, it's just like interesting to find our space now that we've been mm-hmm. really playing in uh, these smaller venues, I think. Do you ha- Would you have like an ideal space? Well, I was going to say, I mean, we're at this point now where we're talking about effectively creating our own spaces. Um, we're going to, we're bringing in visuals and um, further along the line, we've had some mild beginning discussion about like sets and um, taking those things a little farther. And actually, now that you brought that up, I think that's really fascinating. But if we could later on design our own room, <laughs> you know, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> that's a huge. That's that's, that's a big later. Project. That's later. Take some capital yeah, down the line. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, no, we're yeah. added to our to do our five year plan to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if I mean, but say, those are the things that we like that make our ears perk up. We, yeah, we like thinking about yeah. those kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. So like, if there, what what do you think you would include in that like wish list for whatever this venue, I guess, would be. How would you envision it? Because there's like, there's the approach that I've come to like not like anymore, which is the very like, everyone's in the audience and then they're on, you're on stage and like the house is dark, but that's like classical chamber music. Mm -hmm. Whereas like nowadays it's almost, you want to be like in the middle of the room with people around you. Yeah. And it's much more interactive, especially for like chamber music or like a Mm -hmm. small group or you guys mm-hmm. um, yeah actually that kind of remind when you're talking about that it reminds me of um, the electronic chamber music class and yeah. group here at this you know university that we're um, uh, <laughs> you can University say, you can say Michigan. the name yeah um, and because uh, you know yeah we're all affiliated but in some way but um, or were at some point uh, right. but yeah the the group is really interesting and they have this new um, studio where when I the last performance I saw they completely surrounded us and they had all these instruments that they built, um, like homemade electronic uh, instruments or custom electronic instruments, diff- like new interfaces for performing the music. And there was sort of a projection screen. But then the audience, you know, there was some seating, certainly, um, on the sides. But there was also most of the audience was in the center, <laughs> surrounded by sort of projections on one side, like interactive elements above their head to interact with the music and influence the music. Um, and also just, you know, like surrounded by this U of performers which i thought was really um kind of an awesome approach i mean they're really like taking 
trying to, to think yeah. about, you know, how can sort of electronic music or techno be <laughs> chamber music, yeah. which is, I think, really interesting. There was a, I don't know if the name uh, Nathan Bartlett means anything to any of I you. Know him, yeah. yeah. So have you seen his like 3D sound mm-hmm. thing? Yeah. He came to my undergrad and did that. Like, and that was likewise. like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was like the first time I was like, okay, like we can change up the the concert yeah. environment right and so that meant a lot to me and it was like super interesting that you know you got eight speakers i think it was and then it's all on stage including the audience and it's just like i think there was like 20 of us sitting in the middle of this like cube of sound oh, yeah that was it was yeah. pretty awesome. awesome i think too that um i mean like simon was saying our sound setup has to kind of evolve and fit in with where we're performing so I think we're at a place now where we're playing at rock clubs or we're playing at Blind Pig in Ann Arbor etc so that's sort of where we have to focus our attention and but as we grow as a band we've we've talked about doing some installation work um, and other sort of things and where we could build as a group make an installation that we're not necessarily even performing all the time and and moving our sound into gallery spaces and I think that we can also evolve as a group to fit spaces because we have a pretty varied background as individuals mm. so so for our current setup maybe like the ideal big venue would be like the Fillmore or something like that but mm-hmm. I think we could also evolve to fit different places and that would allow us different opportunities to to work on different aspects of our performance and different performance practices um and i think i've definitely learned a lot and i think we've all learned a lot as a group how how unconventional our setup is once (laughs) once we bring it out to these spaces um like simon was saying the like the bass role and the keyboard role and Alex's role as a vocalist, I think, especially get kind of pegged, um, yep. where it, Alex is able to do crazy textural, immersive things as well as being the you know the voice, the the sort of lyrical, lyri- you know, yeah, the lyrical element, um, and so. But as we pl- perform out more too, we can we've we're learning how to adjust our setups and also communicate our setup to people yeah because um, it's e- you know wonder, it's easy to blame a sound <laughs> guy but it's not really the sound guy's fault when it's when, when we're <laughs> you know, we're like oh yeah I'm gonna be playing you know yeah. you know up three octave guitar kind of sounds and Simon's <laughs> gonna be get weird know. looks yeah yeah so I, I think communication <laughs> is key and, and just learning our setup and and bringing it to as many contexts as we can. I think we learn something every time. Yeah. I imagine after a while you get like at least all the basics for your specific setup perfected. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then anything on top of that is just iteration. Yeah. And I, for me, for me personally as a bass player, I, this group has been an opportunity for me to work on a specific set of sounds and a, a palette like I have a palette of sounds that is specific to this group mm-hmm. and that has been a, a big opportunity for me to just take co- like performative concepts from other concept uh, contexts and bring it to the electric bass and 
a pedal setup and have specific sounds in mind that I can work with. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think we're all, we're all growing our own sort of palette that's specific to this group and these people, which is really exciting. Yeah. It's nice to have that kind of like laboratory setting almost Mm -hmm. to like science it out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think too, it's going to become especially interesting as we, um, put that palette on to work we're starting to work on these rearrangements of other compositions and as a group um Mm. which we've all done in our own time and you know put things together transcribed and done things with different groups but we're really looking at this kind of new frontier as a band where we're looking at these jazz tunes or these classical tunes um or these arias even yeah. and mm-hmm. looking to explore what that looks like within mm. the frame of our sound, our style, and our setup, yeah. which is really exciting for me. Um, yeah. And another, deconstructing. We've also talked about in in the future, in the coming year or two years, doing some commissioning of composers or doing a, yeah. a call for, mm-hmm. co- for works and that kind of thing, um, which is... And it, it's, yeah just because the the mode of an ensemble is is so up in the air i think currently mm-hmm. where it is it's the chamber the chamber m- music model is you learn a repertoire and then you commission right. composers or whatever and we're essentially a rock band right now because we're mm-hmm. that's the mode we're playing in but um i think it would be interesting to enter into these other spaces yeah but that doesn't mean like you can't commission like a like i don't know David Lang to write right. <laughs> some <laughs> crazy rock right. quartet. Yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. Music. Yeah. That would be sick. That would be. Yep. You listening, David? <laughs> we'll see. But yeah, that would be awesome to, I mean, because who says like anything has to be anything? Right. Yeah. Especially in music where it, like, yeah, it, it is ostensibly a rock quartet at the moment, but that doesn't mean you can't, like, attempt some weird iteration of crumb right. or like yeah. whatever and i think given our each of our individual backgrounds has touched on so many different traditions and and styles of playing that i think we all feel like it would be kind of a waste to not explore those avenues you know yeah. to settle for not not that there's anything low about it but you know to settle yeah. for just being a rock band or you know to be stuck in the context we're in now when we know that uh, there's so many other shades that that will enrich it for us and yeah. for, for the listener, hopefully. Because it's the palette again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and one thing uh, I'm sort of excited about that kind of goes beyond also the sonic elements is that, you know, I, I do a fair amount of multimedia work, like live visuals and projections and interactive art. And I'm I'm currently kind of trying to ramp up and develop uh like some live visual material for this group like live projections and and develop some set pieces that you know like sit behind us um but also really thinking about the visual content as being kind of specific to these palettes as well so developing kind of um i don't know some some visual material that's responsive to the the music um which i think is really important in sort of a visual context mm-hmm. um to add and just to let you know like uh, I, this isn't something that's uncommon in performance, but uh, to a degree, I think like it can really add another, like some more depth and another element to yeah. like a live setting. 
definitely would engage the audience at least that extra bit because mm-hmm. you know you can watch you guys or if there's something crazy on a screen or a surface or whatever mm-hmm. they can uh, interpret that how they want to as well yeah mm-hmm. awesome so I would love to talk to you more but unfortunately we're out of time <laughs> um, so you guys have things coming out when are, when are they coming out what are they what are they so we what have, are you excited about we're excited about a lot but uh, <laughs> our coming up our debut EP will be released in Detroit uh, and the venue to be determined but it should be around February 23rd I think we we're saying uh, right after that we're gonna go on the road and we have some dates lined up on the East Coast, so um, that will all be in promotion of this EP that we've been working on for the past few months. Um, should we give give some dates? Yeah. <laughs> well, our and we're playing. We're, we're going to do the Vitae show, right? Are we going to do I that? I think so. So <laughs> we're going to play it. We'll be playing at Arbor Vitae in Ann Arbor on March 11th, um, and further okay. details of that show are are coming together. Um, so that's that's in the works and 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 that'll be we're gonna be super on for that show because we're playing every night of that week on tour leading up to it so nice. um and we'll have our ep ready and working on some video projects and mm-hmm. a, a lot of things to come mm-hmm. yeah so you can we've got a lot of uh some various places you can look to find oh, yeah, more information too <laughs> so we've got a facebook page so you can check out Saj Talk, which is like S A A J T A K. Um, and then also we have a website too, so it's just sajtalk.com. Should be mm-hmm. pretty. I think we can put this in the, the show notes yeah. too. Awesome. So that people can find it. Yeah. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, anything? Uh, Instagram, yeah. yeah. Instagram. We do, it. We do nice. the Instagram. We, we kill Instagram, frankly. <laughs> say that yeah, we're about great. to add a really special video. <laughs> 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 Yeah, that one's going viral. It's gonna, it's gonna go viral, so you should check it out. So you'll probably have heard of us before this happened. <laughs> All right. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you yeah, so much. Thanks, Good